In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. How's it going over there? It is going much better. It took us three and a half years to skirt away from the vid and it caught the Cozine family recently. So we are on the mend and looking up. Yes, so any random weird throat noises you guys hear <laughs> is definitely not that. And Clay did a little, was a little champion with it, but he had a little fever and it's always nerve-wracking. I don't I have such a new respect too for parents and dealing with that kind of stuff. I mean, we were basically like 1 foot away from driving him to the hospital at night and then a couple hours later he's like laughing and fine and I just don't understand how I mean, I guess that's our lives now. Yeah, I guess so. It's it's been quite a ride so far. And um, it's like so freaking annoying that it's like we made it that far through all of the big waves of everything. And we were treating in the clinic all the time during Corona and everything. And and then we have a freaking almost five month old and we get nailed. So it makes me so mad. Not great. Yeah. And Nicole, as you guys probably can tell, is not exactly what you would call nurturing toward ill members (laughs) of the family. So this was a funny one because I got hit first. And so I got banished to a guest bedroom. I was in full on lockdown quarantine. Nicole, like, didn't just didn't check on me for like three days. Well, because then I could just get pissed off. I'm just like, because if we would have all gotten it at the same time, it would have been like, oh, no, <laughs> we we couldn't have prevented it. And then, but because Jesse got it first, I was like, dude, freaking idiot. Of course you would. What did you do? Who were you with? <laughs> and then Nicole ends up getting it or Clay gets it and then Nicole gets it. And then, then Nicole turns like the most lovey she's ever been. She's like a cat that just like wants to come over and like cuddle and... I'm like, what? You literally ignored me for three days, and now you have a fever, and you want me to go to the store and get you, you know, whatever you're craving Steph, right now. I know. I was when Jesse was first sick. I was just like, just text me if you need anything. <laughs> and that's how it is in the cuisine household. Yes. So, guys, today we are talking about something I think it's really overlooked when it comes to business success, and that is clinical excellence. And I feel like a lot of times this feels like a little bit of a third rail topic or something that's taboo that we like can't talk about because I feel like most business coaches either pretend that this doesn't exist or just acts like, hey, as long as you have the competence to go out on your own, you're probably a great clinician and you're getting the clinical outcomes for people. And to be honest, I think it's crazy. And so Nicole and I, when we talk about what the three pillars of business are, clinical excellence is one of those three pillars. And that's something that... We've now seen with the people that we've mentored and worked with, 
I would say, Nicole, probably 70% of our solopreneurs have issues around this. We're going to talk about those. And then 100% of us have these problems when we bring on staff and we try to train them and show them what we want, especially in a cash-based pelvic health practice. And this is a huge thing. And I'm just kind of shocked that we don't talk about this more as a business issue because it's one of the three factors that are going to determine your success or failure as a business. Yeah, like Jesse said, I feel like it's such a given. It's sometimes thought of as just like, oh, of course you're good. And you probably are. But are you conveying how good you are to patients? And that's where I feel like we call it clinical buy-in, not just buy-in. So a lot of other coaches will talk about, are you getting buy-in? Get this buy-in. And it's like, that's great. But a lot of times that is just going to finding out like, oh, if you have incontinence, like what's the emotional connection to what, what would it look like if you didn't have incontinence? And not just that you don't have to literally pee your pants, but you know, is that going to allow you to play with your kids better? That's what they call buy-in a which lot is of a times. sales tactic. It's literally just teaching sales tactics, which is fine. It's helpful. But that's literally the same thing they teach at a used car dealership to say, like, can you imagine your family in the back of that brand new minivan just cruising down, everybody happy, eating ice cream? And it's like, well, that, that's literally what you're talking about. And not that that doesn't have a place. In fact, sales and marketing is another pillar of business. But there's a whole nother level when we're talking about clinical buy-in and clinical excellence. And really the question that we are presenting is, are we practicing the way we believe? Are we practicing the way we believe? Because a lot of times, and we've seen the surveys that we send out for you guys and are always appreciate when you guys fill those out, one of the big reasons that people start their own business is so they can practice the way that they want. And that includes things like wellness visits and being able to see people for longer and not being dictated to by insurance. And then we actually go in and look at the numbers and they're seeing people for maybe fewer visits than they were at an insurance practice or they're not doing things with wellness, or they don't feel comfortable with any of that stuff. So we're going to talk about ways to be thinking about this, but what does it look like if you aren't doing this? It's those patients who have to go home and check with their husband, or check their schedule, and then end up dropping off. It's people who are canceling and just telling you, oh, don't worry about it, I'm feeling good, I'll see you next week. It's people who are kind of self-terminating their plan of care, no thanks, I'm good, And self-discharging, like those are signs that you may not be practicing the way that you believe when you're starting to do this. And so it's the first thing we're going to do is really take that introspective look. And that's why it feels like a little bit of a taboo topic. But are we practicing what we preach? Are we practicing the way that we believe? And so one of the things that we want to think about with that, there's really two ways that we measure this at Pelvic Sanity. It's the ways that we train our staff. But we look at the appointment to evaluation ratio. So how many visits are people coming in for on average and the forfeit rate? And the forfeit rate is anybody who comes in for three visits or fewer, who basically didn't buy in enough to even give us a chance to do what we wanted to do, right? That's the forfeit rate's one that really sticks in your craw or really should. That's somebody who knows how much it costs, who knows where you're located, who drives in, goes in, fills out all your paperwork, walks in the door, sees you. And then says, yeah, you know what? I don't think that's the fit for me. Yeah. Forfeit rate, 
really greater than 0% is like nails on a chalkboard to me. But that is a type of drop-off that really doesn't, like Jesse said, doesn't even give you a chance to develop your clinical excellence. And a lot of times what that means is that they don't even give you a chance to say like, are you doing, practicing the way that you want? Are you treating patients the way that you want? Are you getting the clinical outcomes? That usually is a huge communication problem in what you can do for that patient. And a lot of times we get a little bit in our heads about, well, I'm not really sure if I can tell this person to come in for as many times as I think they should. And so we're just going to start with a few visits first. And that doesn't convey very much confidence. And it doesn't certainly talk about that clinical excellence of what you're going to need to do clinically to get this person, not only their symptoms to go away, but to stay away. And if that's a tenant of your practice, then you have to make sure that you are monitoring yourself. And so even with all of our our business folks in our rising mentorship group, even if you're a solopreneur, this is an important thing to look at for yourself is what, how on average, how many visits is somebody coming in for? And does that fit with what you say you want to provide? And then also look at anybody that's coming for three visits or fewer, eval plus two visits. And these are the people that are maybe even scheduling out, but then are calling up and being like, you know what, actually, I found somewhere to take my, that takes my insurance or, you know, you can go ahead and just cancel. I'm just going to do the exercises at home, that kind of stuff. If you find that that's happening, then you need to do something about it. And the thing is, is that sometimes you don't even realize it's happening because if you have one of those three pillars going well for you, say marketing, that can mimic, or excuse me, mask this bot clinical excellence and clinical buy-in problem. Because if you're getting more patients and you're so busy all the time, you're not following the patients that are coming into your clinic and seeing, are you really providing that high-level care that you say that you want to do? Or is everybody just coming in for three visits, but you're still super full and then you are not catching yourself doing this. That's a great point, Nicole. And I think that is when we start talking about those three pillars, and this is exactly what we go over in the accelerator program. So if you guys have a business yourself, whether you're a solopreneur or already have employees, think about like these are the three pillars of business. And so when we talk about them, those three are this clinical excellence, marketing and sales and business systems. So marketing and sales, clinical excellence, and business systems. When you have one of those working well, you are struggling. If you're providing great clinical care, but you're not marketing and you don't have systems for taking care of your people, you're going to be struggling in anonymity and waiting for that phone to ring and feeling terrible because you're just never getting the people in the door you need. If you have two of those, you are usually surviving. So let's say you're marketing and you have good business systems, you're going to be kind of fine. Like Nicole said, you're going to mask problems potentially in that clinical excellence side. If you have clinical excellence and great systems, but not marketing, eh, you're, the phone's going to struggle to ring a little bit, but you're going to get by, at least as a solopreneur. But man, what the magic happens when you put those three things together. That's what we see in the mentorship group. That's why we teach those in the accelerator. You get those three pillars all working together. You are going to go wherever you want to go. And that's you're creating then super fans of your business. You are taking somebody through the full patient acquisition flow 
and then end their patients ending, not just with their symptoms better, not just doing something maybe that they didn't think that they were going to do, but they are now like a maven for your clinic. And that is what you want. And if we're not getting that because we're selling ourselves short on the clinical part and we're forgetting about that and we're so worried about something else and we're totally negating the fact that like we also have to not only be good clinicians, but communicate what we're doing to the patient and so that they pick up what we're putting down. That is huge because you can be a good clinician and not communicate very well and still have this clinical excellence problem. Yes, I think that's probably the biggest thing. It's just actually has no relationship or very little relationship with how good of a clinician you are technically. There's very little correlation to that, especially when you are starting your business with this clinical excellence. So we talk about why this ends up being a struggle for people. And there's three really main reasons. One is your money mindset issues. And we all have these. And I want us to acknowledge them, especially as you become a business owner for the first time. Like we all have history with money. We all have challenges with the way we think about it. We're all a little uncomfortable with our price. Most of us probably priced ourselves too low, us very much included, when we were starting our practice because of these money mindset issues. And it creeps into your clinical reasoning and your clinical recommendations. So you start to show and have people come in every other week instead of every week. You go over on your evaluation because you're trying to cram so much stuff in. This is where a lot of time-sucking nonsense comes in where you send a follow-up email after the evaluation with all of their home exercise programs and all the recommendations that you just gave so you can provide more value to them. And why are you trying to provide more value? Because you're not confident in your pricing and what you're charging and that you're actually worth it. And it takes time to develop that, and that's understandable, but a lot of times that really impacts clinical decision-making. And now people are coming in every other week, every third week, you're stretching visits out because you're just not really comfortable. Then it's like, well, is that what the patient really needs? And most of the time when that's happening, it's that the patient has driven that conversation because there hasn't been good enough communication on what the plan is and what it's like to work with you and all the things. And or sometimes if you're not getting the clinical outcomes or choosing the right thing to get somebody, say, a quick win first, but you have picked the wrong thing that doesn't resonate with them, then then that can also be a problem. So you can be the best clinician in the world, but just pick the wrong thing to first focus on and then lose all interest with your patient. We really just want to hit this home because guess what? It does not mean that you need to take another course also. We have seen this so many times. It's like, well, you know, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to take, you know, Sarah Duvall's course and I'm going to take, you know, public PT essentials and not your mama's Kegel course. And, you know, I've heard Susan Clinton has a good course out or whatever. And it's just like, we don't have to continue to be like con ed junkies So if you find yourself doing that, what you might be having a little bit is some imposter syndrome and or just some not good confidence in your clinical skills. And and a course isn't going to fix that. It's just going to muddy the waters a little bit. So we need to stop with that, finish the courses that you already have that you haven't worked on yet, by the way, and really like hone in on, am I communicating to my patient what we're doing here and how I can help them? so that we don't have any of these forfeits and drop-offs and things of that nature. Yes. So concerns about money really drive this. 
Things like habits from your old insurance-based practice are still there. I mean, you're used to telling everybody to come in for four visits or for whatever it is. Like, that doesn't just go away. And a lot of times that bleeds into documentation and the way we talk about things, all of that. And then there's also, as an outsider to the field, really interesting pervasive myths in physical therapy in general. The idea that the better you are, the faster you get people better. That you're supposed to be training people to be their own physical therapist. That you don't want to create dependent relationships with your patients. That all of these different things come in. And I think especially when they combine with now charging what you're worth for the first time. You were maybe confident with doing all this stuff when it was a $20 copay. Or when you weren't actually seeing the money change hands. But when somebody reaches into their pocket and pulls out $200 and says, hey, here's this for this session, it does add a whole layer of pressure on. And I think it can start to really take its toll on some of these clinical recommendations and the clarity that you have that you, are you recommending to people exactly what you would recommend if money was not an object, right? That's really the question that you're asking yourself when it comes to these money mindset issues. If that was Bill Gates in your clinic and he walked in and said, hey, Nicole, I want to get better as soon as possible because I got to go on my mega yacht in two weeks, would you really say, yeah, you know what, Mr. Gates, I think maybe we could get by with like every other week, maybe every third week. I don't know. Is that okay with you? Yeah, would what that do be you want to do? You just tell me what it, what works for you and your budget and I'll make it I'll make it happen. Hell no. You would be like, dude, you need to be coming in here. Our out-of-town people come in every day, two hours a day, right? Three times a week, whatever the clinical recommendation is. But that is a real tell if you're kind of catching yourself and thinking or even like looking at the car that somebody drives up in and that's starting to like percolate into the way you're thinking about it. the purse that they have or something like that. The other thing, the other sort of tell is that if everyone's getting the same exact advice, that's another sign that you're not really practicing the way that you want. If you're not sometimes recommending that someone comes in twice a week or someone comes in even three times a week. Oh my gosh. Like, holy crap. Like I'm sure that made everybody feel like, oh my gosh, so weird. But I've had patients that are super motivated and have pedental neuralgia and are, I'm like, you want to front load this thing? Like, let's go. Like, I think that we could really make a dent in some of you, this pain situation. And we have so many strategies that we need to start to implement that you would benefit from coming three times a week. Can you swing it? And they say, yeah, if you think that and be like, great, let's start that for the first month and then we'll see where we're at and we'll adjust from there. And guess what? I'm not going from three to one. I'm going from three to two times a week and then two times to one. And then there's triggers for when that goes down again. So meaning that there's certain criteria that has to be met in order for us to be like, okay, now we're now it's time. But it's based in the clinical outcomes, not what the patient can do or what they want to do. It's what we think. So what are your triggers? Perfect. So those are the things to be thinking about when it comes to clinical excellence, clinical buy-in, and deciding whether this is a strength or a weakness of your practice. And if it's a weakness, great. Honestly, great. Like you have a business And this is something that you can correct. This is something that you can wrap your hands around. And it's not just from a business side or getting the people to come in more often. It is actually going back to what you clinically believe. So ask yourself, on average, I believe patients should be seen for blank 
number of visits within my practice. What is that for you? Is that for three months? Well, that's cool. It's about 12 visits. If you work with a chronic pain patients or, or a large proportion of those, that might be a lot longer. Like, what is it that you actually clinically believe? So answer that question first. And then ask yourself, what is your appointment to valuation ratio? And this is really easy to calculate. We make this super easy. It's one of the things that we go over in the accelerator course. But basically, you're just looking at like the last chunk of time. Either if you're really busy, you could do it by a month. If you're not that busy, I would probably do it over three months. And take the number of follow-up visits you've had and divide them by the number of evaluations. So if you've had 90 follow-up visits and 10 evaluations, your ratio is 9. 9 to 1. If you've had 40 visits and 10 of them have been evaluations, that's a little bit of a different thing, right? And that, that's where you can start to see, are you practicing what you preach? Are you practicing the way that you believe? And you can obviously start to really see the massive difference that this takes. Even a one or two visit per evaluation difference, and this has massive effects on your clinical outcomes, on whether those patients become raving super fans and refer their friends, or just remember that physical therapy was something they did one time. And then, frankly, on the revenue and business outcome side, if you're getting those people in, it is so much easier to keep somebody in the system, to keep them happy, to keep them progressing toward their goals and get this clinical buy-in than it is to go out and have to find a whole nother patient. Now I got to go do another workshop. I got to go see if this Google ad is something I want to do. I need to go and sell myself somewhere that I don't feel comfortable doing. It's like, man, if we could just take care of the people who are already in our clinic, that solves so many problems. And again, this is not necessarily, oh, just keep people longer, but it's taking an introspective look and seeing what do you have to offer and are you actually doing that? And do you have enough time with the patient to really thoroughly do stuff? And so for us, for instance, like there's the foundations of pelvic health. Like we hope that no one leaves the clinic without some visits talking about sleep, stress management, nutrition, and movement. And that's independent of what their symptoms are and all the things. So that's where we can talk about optimizing their their health for their pelvic health and, and helping to build resiliency in the system. That's part of what the pelvic sanity way of treating is. That takes visits. And so if somebody is only coming in and has a forfeit rate of, you know, a you know, for only two visits or such, we can't, we can't even get to their symptoms, much less get those symptoms down and stay away and then optimize in that wellness space. So that's what we mean by, by taking a look at starting with the end in mind. What do you believe? What kind of value can you provide to patients? Where's your specific expertise? Where's your passions? And then be able to incorporate that into your plans of care in a way that is going to have this clinical buy-in for folks. Yes. And I would say take whatever that number is and add like four visits to it, people. Because y'all are fucking incredible. I feel like physical therapists like don't get how amazing you guys are, honestly. Like looking at this from the outside. Like I truly believe in my heart of hearts any one of you guys could pluck a random stranger with nothing, knowing nothing about them. Pluck somebody off the street. And give them a shit ton of value for at least eight visits. 
Are you kidding me? Go to their office and take a look at what their standing desk is like and work on their ergonomics. Like you guys know all the things you about their so sleep, much. about their nutrition, about cool, their diet. Can you help them with that? Can you help them with the way they're walking, moving? Everybody has something going on. Like totally. you guys are amazing. The and other thing. Embrace it. Yeah, man. The other thing is that the biggest high fives that I would give at my clinic is when a patient will, I'll hear over here, one of my therapists being like, okay, cool. We can take a look at your shoulder next time or something like that. Because again, if you believe that you are wanting to be a trusted resource for your patients, then, and that's the role you want to play in someone's life and you want to optimize their health and wellness, not just their pelvic health and wellness, then how cool is it if you built that trust and then someone's like, hey, you know what? Like my shoulder hurts. Can you take a look at that for me and tell me what you think? Because that is now you're playing the role that you want to be playing. And so I give the biggest high five to somebody who is at our clinic for something other than pelvic health, because what that means is that they came for a pelvic health reason and we are providing that much value and we're that important to that person that they are still coming to us first for all of their physical needs. Yes. So be thinking about that. Your appointment to eval ratio, your forfeit rate, does that align with what you believe? And if not, then great. You have room to grow. And that's going to be something that is going to be incredibly important if you are a business owner. And we've been talking about this mostly for you know a solopreneur taking a look at this. But this is exactly how you evaluate and train your staff as well. And so like I said, I would say most solopreneurs have trouble with this. But all of us who hire have trouble with this. And so that's one of the reasons it's one of the three pillars. It's so important. We will be having more information for you guys on that accelerator program as we get into June, but there is a waitlist that is open right now at pelvicptrising.com slash accelerator. Go check that out. Check out the other two pillars that we're going to be talking about, but this is critical and no one is talking about it. Nobody is looking at this side, but ultimately it's one of the most important things, not just for the business, but for your own confidence for what you want to be doing for your sense of mission, like most of us started practices so you could practice the way that you want. And now we have to ask ourselves, are we actually doing it? Totally. We did a podcast episode not too long ago about what to look for in a business coach. And we had mentioned in that one of the reasons why we feel so strongly, especially for pelvic health, that you get a business coach that's in your same genre and this is the reason why, because if we're starting to talk about clinical excellence parts of this, then you have to have a coach that understands what this looks like for someone with vulvodynia, for someone with pedental neuralgia, and all of the nuances that go into that versus a pregnant or postpartum patient. It's really important to be able to apply that during the business coaching. Absolutely. So guys, we hope this has been a helpful episode. I hope that this causes you guys to think a little bit. Maybe a little bit of a challenge, but it is something that is so critical to business success. We would be remiss if we didn't point this out and take a look at it. And again, we're really excited to be dropping more information on that accelerator program, those three pillars. If that's something that sounds interesting or you want to make sure you have more information on, head to pelvicptrising.com slash accelerator. Get on the wait list for that. That is something that is going to be probably the biggest program that we have put out. And I think it's going to be just an absolute game changer for those of you guys. Like again, going from struggling with one of these pillars working well 
to surviving with two of them working well. But man, if we turn all three of these on at the same time and things are working, you're going to go anywhere that you want with your business, whether that's being happy as a little clam as a successful solopreneur, or that's hiring, growing, scaling, multiple practices, whatever it is that you want to be doing. It's the foundation for both of those. So check that out. And guys, we are so excited to be launching that in June for you. So I think that's it. I think that's all we've got. As always, we love hearing from you. So thanks so much for reaching out. We want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. 